unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. And coming up on this week's show, I'll talk to Kelly Hines of the Tulsa World. She's been a guest on my AAC report on the Nightline Sports Network quite often. Kelly was inside the bubble at March Madness, covering three teams, one in particular, the Cinderella story of Oral Roberts. Kelly will share that experience with us. She is standing by in the virtual green room and joins us momentarily. And speaking of March Madness, the Baylor Bears are your national champions. The big showdown with Gonzaga. They were the best two college basketball teams throughout the course of the season. And in their head-to-head matchup, Baylor just jumped on them quick and never looked back. Gonzaga got down by 19, got it down to 10 at halftime. They were lucky to be down by 10 at halftime. And Baylor was just too much. Hot shooting from outside, driving driving to the hoop. The Baylor Bears uh, were faster, bigger, and stronger. Fatigue maybe for the Gonzaga Bulldogs after that dramatic semifinal win over UCLA. So it's going to go down. The undefeated season did not come to fruition. They tried to make history. And if people are going to complain about Mark Few for that, you're you're, you're insane. Because wouldn't you want to have a coach? You say you go to the tournament 22 times in a row make a couple of uh, national championship games. You, there's not uh, not a program in America that wouldn't sign up for that. But uh, this March Madness with all the great storylines and it was just a, a, a great tournament. And one, you know, one of the best in years and one I'll remember for a lifetime. The Sam Darnold era in New York has come to a close. The Carolina Panthers traded for Darno with the New York Jets. They send a 2021 six-round pick along with a second and fourth selection in 2022. So Darno, who was a top draft pick, is now out of New York. The Jets will probably try again. They have the number two overall pick. Zach Wilson of BYU considered to be that guy after Trevor Lawrence. We shall see. You know, Zach Wilson's uh <laughs> is definitely uh going to the board his pro day where he was throwing balls, you know, dimes 65, 70 yards downfield. But again, it's the pressure cooker of New York and a franchise that has not been run well. Hey, back to college basketball for a second. North Carolina has uh, elevated assistant coach Hubert Davis to replace Roy Williams. Davis was a star guard for the Tar Heels under Dean Smith from 88 to 92 before a lengthy NBA playing career in the last nine seasons as an assistant for the Tar Heels. Roy Williams into retirement after... National championships at both Kansas and North Carolina. He, of course, is assistant during the Dean Smith years. And uh, best to him in his retirement. He's certainly one of the great college basketball coaches of all time. And big shoes for Mr. Davis to fill. And it's Masters Week. We'll have more on that coming up in just a little bit. 
All right. She's been a guest on my AAC report many times. So often, in fact, during Tulsa's football run last year that she was considered an unofficial co-host. And I'm now happy to have her on my Jeff Allen Sports Talk podcast. Kelly Hines from the Tulsa World has joined us, is joining us now. Kelly, how are you? I am doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And um, you had a great experience uh, with March Madness as uh, you got to cover a lot of action inside the bubble. So as that uh, situation came on where three teams from Oklahoma are in the NCAA tournament, kind of take me back to how the planning uh, went uh, down at the Tulsa World on uh, on covering Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Oral Roberts in March Madness. Yeah, I mean, the plan was, um, you know, for Oklahoma beat writer to go up there. Our Oklahoma State beat writer is from the Indianapolis area, so he was going to drive up there. Um, and, uh, you know, I was still kind of dealing with uh, the aftermath of, of Tulsa's basketball season. And then, you know, Oral Roberts won its um, first conference tournament game and I thought okay okay and then they won their second conference tournament game on, on a tip-in at the buzzer and that's kind of when I started thinking you know this might take a turn here and so I sent a message to my um, editor and I was like you know if we need a third person just knowing it would be logistically difficult to have someone cover you know two teams up there I was like I would be happy to go and he said okay I'll keep that in mind and you know, didn't really think much of it beyond that. And then, you know, Oral Roberts won their, uh, um, you know, the conference tournament. The, the finals was absolutely crazy. They went up 25 in the first half and then almost lost a very dramatic conclusion. And then, you know, my uh, boss sent me a message and he was like, um, I submitted the credential request for you. And I was like, oh, this is this is happening. Uh, so then, you know, looking at flights and trying to figure out how to get up there. And then pretty much everything was a blur from there. <laughs> so, uh, so they were able to get you credentialed pretty quickly. So, uh, take me through, uh, what protocols you had to go to upon entry into the bubble at Indianapolis. Yeah, it was kind of unusual, um, because you were credentialed on a game by game basis. So, Whereas, you know, I've covered NCAA tournament sites and I've covered the Final Four before and, you know, you're credentialed and you're there for all of it if you want to be there for all of it. This, you know, there's very limited access. So each team had only, um, they could have up to five credentialed media members. And then um, there were uh, 10 other spots, I think 10 or 15 other spots for uh, local media and national media to share the remaining spots. So, um, you know, I could go to uh, Oral Roberts games, which was great. Um, and then, uh, fortunately, um, because of OU and OSU being in the field, um, we were able to uh, get in on that, too, because those teams hadn't met their five media member um, maximum. So, um, you know, I was able to go to uh, you know, in the first two rounds, you know, uh, went to six games, but, uh, you can be there only an hour before your game and you have to leave within an hour after your game. So, um, you're leaving and going to write somewhere else, uh, or use first game was, um, at Purdue's campus, um, in West Lafayette and had to drive back to Indy because there's not a whole lot in between there uh, just to finish my story because I couldn't stay at the arena. So that was probably the bi- biggest logistical challenge 
in addition to, you know, all of your interviews are done via Zoom. Nothing's done in person. Okay. So a lot, a lot of uh, fun logistics to deal with. So let's talk about each team a little bit uh, uh, as far as their, their tournament uh, stays were concerned. Oklahoma, of course, uh, they ended up uh, uh, winning their first round game, and then they got to play Gonzaga, and uh, which now will play for the national title uh, as we record this before the, uh, the, the big title game tonight. Uh, so as you watched Oklahoma play Gonzaga, Give me your impressions on on Gonzaga for one because uh, of where they are and uh, and you know and that game against Oklahoma. Yeah, you know it, it was a pretty competitive game. Um, you know, obviously uh, Austin Reeves. Um, you know, he makes a lot happen. Um, you know, made a lot happen for Oklahoma in that game. Um, but Gonzaga has so few weaknesses. Um, I really thought it was going to be a game that, you know, Gonzaga just like won by like 30 points, honestly. But, uh, you know, it was just, I enjoyed getting that up close look at Gonzaga after watching, you know, a lot of their games throughout the season um, and just being kind of blown away by uh, their talent. Uh, Drew Timmy, especially, um, you know, that's an impossible matchup for just about anyone. Um but, you know, oh, you made that uh, an interesting game. They just, you know, didn't have the sort of weapons, especially with Davian Harmon out um, because he tested positive. You know, he wasn't able to play um, in the tournament. And that, you know, really limited them. Um, I think, uh, you know, it could have been um, a little bit closer game. Um, but, you know, I, I thought that OU played really well. Um, and that was Lon Kruger's last game, um, which, you know, we're kind of starting to think maybe it would be. Uh, but to um, see kind of the conclusion of, of what has been, you know, incredible career for him, I thought that was kind of a cool thing to be part of. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he took five different teams into the NCAA tournament. And, uh, you know, he, he had a nice run there at Oklahoma for sure. And uh, what will his his legacy be? You know, he is the type of person you never hear anyone say anything bad about. Mm-hmm. Um you know, he has always had a really good reputation with the media. His players have always loved him. And, you know, he's someone that, um, you know, everyone just like rooted for in life, you know, for him to retire. And, and you know, now he's going to be, uh, you know, moving to be close to his son. And, you know, a family is very important for him. Like, it just all made sense. And it was it was a good time. Um for him. So, you know, I think his legacy uh, in college basketball is, you know, he was able to, you know, have success in a lot of places. And that's difficult to do to just go into a new environment and, um, you know, win guys over um, and, you know, not have any problems with the culture or any, any, uh, you know, behavioral stuff. He's just, you know, one of those guys who will always be super well respected. Yeah, and we definitely got to see that here in in the state of Florida with with uh, with UF. So uh, definitely familiar with uh, with his work from that standpoint. So looking at Oklahoma State, uh, they drew Liberty in the first round, and then in the second round they uh, hit one of the uh, uh, Cinderella stories of the tournament in Oregon State. Uh, we ended up knocking off uh, the Cowboys there. Uh, tell me a little bit about that run. You know, it just seemed like. You know, Oklahoma State had had lost a little bit of its momentum. You know, that Liberty game was really hard fought, and um, you know that's a good team that that Oklahoma State was going up against. And then, you know, I think it's all about um, momentum. You know, I, and I think Oregon State had 
uh, everything clicking, and that um, game was kind of surreal to see it play out. Um, you know, just Oregon State putting up incredible shots, hitting everything, and um, Oklahoma State was rattled. Um, and, you know, that was a very young team. Um, There's a lot of pressure on them, and they hadn't really been in those um, situations. So, you know, looking back, it's not really surprised, especially considering, you know, what Oregon State did from there. But, you know, it was, it was kind of disappointing to see a team that had, you know, most likely the number one draft pick, uh, you know, to, to not be able to make it um, past the second round. But it's tough. I mean, you, you saw that happen to a lot of really good teams. So um, I, I guess looking back, it's it's not that crazy. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, you talk about an Oregon State team that ended up uh, advancing into the Elite Eight before falling to Houston, which made the Final Four. And, you know, and Houston's a team you've seen uh, plenty of. Uh, this year, the class of the of the American uh, covering since you cover Tulsa, um, that was a pretty good story there for Kelvin Sampson getting uh, the Cougars that far. Yeah, I think that you know their their slate was pretty favorable. Obviously, you still have to go out there and, and win the games. It doesn't matter who you're playing, but you know the matchups were were really in, in Houston's favor up up until the final four. But you know, I. I think that that's just an extremely well-coached team. Um, you know, the way they rebound, the way they play hard, um, you know, Kelvin Sampson is able to generate the sort of production that, you know, you need from your guys to make it to the final four. So um, I was glad to see a team from the American get to that point for sure. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, and, and you know, things also did break their way with Illinois getting knocked out by, uh, by Loyola too. So that certainly uh, uh, helped the field a little bit there. Now let's talk about the darlings, I think, of this year's tournament, or Roberts. And uh, you know, this was a team that uh, uh, nobody expected anything out of, but boy, they gave us a show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was so crazy to see it play out that way because, you know, Oral Roberts is a small school. Um, it's, you know, on the south side of town here in Tulsa. And, you know, we um, at the Tulsa World, we don't have – a writer assigned to them um and it's not that we don't care just we have limited uh personnel and so you know we do not cover them on an every game basis and um you know i've been to a lot of oral roberts games but really wasn't familiar with the team to that extent you know as if i had been covering the team and you know you see things you know in the conference tournament as, as they're getting hot and you you Look at, you know, they have the nation's top scorer and Max Asmus, the top scoring duo with Asmus and Kevin O'Banner. They lead the nation in, in three-pointers, and, and you start to think, well, that kind of sounds like a Cinderella-type team. But, I mean, when I saw the bracket, I thought, oh, Ohio State, I don't know about that. That's going to be tough. Uh, obviously, it would have been tougher if um, Oral Roberts had been a 16 seed, but to be a 15 seed, you know, it, it could happen. Uh, but I definitely didn't think that it would happen uh to win that first game and just to see the way that team believed in itself because their coach believed in them I don't know that I've ever covered anything quite like that um you know you could um you know coaches might say oh you know we can win this game I believe in you guys but you know, at the end of the day, how much of that is just, you know, trying to hype them up and, and all of that. But I really felt like Paul Mills believed that they could win that game. And, you know, 
they were able to win that game. I mean, it was just so crazy to see that happen and see the team, you know, really not celebrate to the extent that you think that they probably should. And it was because they're like, we thought we, we thought we would win this game. And I'm just like blown away by that even now. And that was just the first game. And then for them to do it again, it just, it was one of the most unbelievable things that I've ever covered. Yeah, I know. Because, you know, I'm sitting there watching that game and, you know, you think, okay, uh, a 15 beating a two, it happens every so often. And uh, we get that and you figure, okay, well, well, man, that's that's pretty satisfying. But that weren't enough. Yeah, they go and they go, they go and they beat the Florida Gators. And then they almost got to the Elite Eight. When <laughs> it just the, the, the shot by Max Aismas was unbelievably close to going in. I know. And I, I really thought that it was going to go in. And, and, you know, at that point, I don't think anything would have surprised me. It was just so crazy to see, you know, a team that had 10 losses, you know, in the regular season. And five of those were, you know, non-conference play to, to teams that, you know, wound up making the tournament. Good teams, Wichita State, um, Missouri, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, um, Arkansas being one of those. Um, you know, all of those were on the road. And, um, you know, at that point in the season, nobody really has stuff figured out. Oral Roberts didn't didn't really have things figured out at that point. But, you know, they lost their third leading scorer during conference play. And, um, you know, at that point, it really became clear they needed to rely on, on Max A. Smith and Kevin O'Banner. And obviously those guys um, delivered, certainly in March. But, you know, beyond that, you know, they had they have guys who, who don't score a lot. They produce, but they, they aren't scoring at a, at a high clip. And the plays that some of those guys came up with um, in the tournament, um, that was, you know, just kind of shocking to me to see nobody was freaked out by that stage. And, you know, obviously it's different because there, there weren't as many fans. It's very, you know, limited attendance. But still, that's a big stage. And... Uh, to see the way they responded, um, I still, you know, I'm blown away by it. It's something that I'll, I'll remember for the rest of my career, however long I, I do this. I'll remember um, that run that, that they had and how close they were to truly making history and becoming the first 15 seed um, to make it to the Elite Eight. Well, so will th- this run be remembered more for the greatness of it, or will there be a certain amount of pain um, because, you know, I can speak from like a UCF experience where, you know, they were a shot away from beating Duke. You can, you know, you look, Butler, you know, was a shot away from beating Duke in the title game. Uh, will they feel that kind of pain or will, will the glory of that run over override that? I think, you know, with time, I, I think it'll be more about, you know, the... Um, you know, this is a program that hadn't won a tournament game since 1974. So, you know, just to to be able to win one game, much less two, you know, I think that that's what will stand out for, for I know for Paul Mills and, and, you know, somewhat for the players, but especially for Paul Mills, you know, it's probably going to take him a little bit longer to get there. But, um, you know, I've just really enjoyed getting to know him and getting to know the players and, and, you know, this has taken on, um, you know, such a life of its own that, you know, I asked to uh, also cover Oral Roberts next season because, you know, they're they're going to have um, pretty much everybody back. And Paul Mills, is, um, you know, he signed a long-term uh, contract. So um, now we've decided to adjust our coverage somewhat 
um, because, you know, a team makes it to the Sweet 16, they clearly are deserving of coverage. Yeah, they've changed the expectations. And, uh, and yeah, you mentioned Paul Mills getting a contract extension. Were, uh, were bigger programs starting to sniff around? <laughs> Well, it's hard to really know. Um, I think that, uh, you know, that was in the works before um, the tournament and it just kind of solidified things because he was in year four of a five-year deal. So they were probably going to give him an extension anyway. I don't think it was going to be an eight-year extension. But, you know, I I think that he was already planning to sign a contract extension and I really felt like it would have to be just, you know, there are very few jobs out there that I, I felt like, Um, would lure him away and you know things were not falling into place for that to happen Um, I I definitely think that he wants to be at a Christian university because that's something he feels really strongly about Um, and you know that the it would have to probably be in this region and there aren't a lot of those Uh, so you know when with those jobs weren't becoming available um, I kind of felt like uh, you know he was going to sign a longer term deal and I, you know, people always say that, you know, it's naive to think that a coach will stay long term um, because situations change. And, and, you know, maybe that is a little bit naive, but um, I would describe Paul Mills as as the exception to a lot of things. He's not like any coach I've covered before. Um, And if anybody is going to, you know, stay anywhere long term, it would be him at Oral Roberts. Yeah, no question about that. And, you know, I, I, I think that's pretty interesting as well. That, uh, you know, uh, he, uh, you know, you figure, uh, you know, that if he would have drawn interest, uh, you know, because, because of, of that Sweet 16 run. And you can almost kind of liken him to a little bit uh, uh, like uh, Porter Moser, uh, who's now going to be the Oklahoma coach. Uh, you know, he he did not parlay his first Sweet 16 run in, in a rather Final Four run into a uh, – uh, into another job he stayed put so yeah could... and i think i think it's um you know ever it i guess it varies from coach to coach but you know i think there's something to be said for feeling like you can still do more and still being excited about the challenges in that job and you know, i know some coaches they get you know they're ready to move on and they're ready for a different challenge. But I think that, you know, every once in a while it's, it's kind of um, a breath of fresh air when they're not always, you know, looking at the door and and thinking what, what could be better than this. And they're just able to appreciate that for what it is and, and getting a program to a sustainable level that, you know, then someone else, an assistant or, you know, whoever, um, can step in and the program doesn't drop off. And I think that's, you know, very much thinking um, about the big picture and maybe it's about more than just yourself. Yeah. What's the re- what's the reaction been to uh, Porter Moses hiring uh, at Oklahoma? I know one th- the one person who's really disappointed is Sister Jean in Chicago. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's gone really well. Uh, it's gone over really well with fans here. Um I think, you know, especially because he wasn't just this like one hit wonder, you know, I think having that um, success um, over several seasons, that's what you want to see. And I kind of liked that it was, you know, a difficult decision for him and he wasn't, you know, just sold on it and they had to go back and forth and he had to really think it through. And I I think that's what you want to see. And and your next coach is um, someone who, uh, you know, he wants 
that opportunity, but he has to think it through. And it, I've been really impressed with him with everything that I've seen. And, you know, it's, it's hard to please um, fans in general. And I think, uh, you know, you see a lot of these hires, um, people are critical of them, but I, I don't think anybody could be critical of that one. Yeah. And uh, now we're recording this before the national championship game. You obviously saw Gonzaga up close and personal. Did you get a chance to see Baylor up close and personal at all during your time there? No, I was really, uh, you know, hoping that Oral Roberts could uh, beat Arkansas to set up that Paul Mills, um, Scott Drew, uh, you know, the Baylor um, Oral Roberts uh, matchup. So, you know, I, Obviously, that didn't happen, but I have seen Baylor quite a bit, um, you know, throughout the season. I, you know, obviously, I, I watch um, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State games a lot, so I, I have seen Baylor um, probably as much as much as Gonzaga. Yeah, and of course, you know, really, ultimately, it, you know, they have been the two best teams in the country uh, for the majority of the basketball season. And, you know, one of my buddies said, you know, the Gonzaga, boy, they just have too many dudes. But then you look at Baylor and go, you know, they might have as many dudes. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, as much as I wish there had been, you know, I, I'm always going to want more upsets. And I was really rooting for UCLA and, and somewhat for Houston, too. But, uh, you know, this, I think, is how it was meant to be. It's the two top teams you we all wanted to see them play before, and now this is the opportunity to see them play on the biggest stage. Um, I would be fine with either of them winning. Uh, I really like both coaches. Um, I like the players on both teams. Um, just hopefully it's it's a good game, um, and, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see either team win. Yeah, and, of course, uh, by the time most of our listeners hear this, uh, the game will have already taken place. So we won't we won't put you on the spot for a prediction uh, <laughs> unless you want to give one. But uh, oh no, that's all right. <laughs> so uh, before I let you go, so you know, obviously you, you cover Tulsa on a regular basis. Frank Haft ends up getting a contract extension. Uh, surprised or not? You know, I think that. Um you know, the options were either to give him a contract extension or to make a change. And I I don't really think that there was enough there um, to warrant, you know, making a change. It's just, you know, when when you're going into the last year of a contract, you know, you, you can't really recruit the way you need to. And that, you know, affects everything. So, you know, I, I kind of felt like, you know, there was that, pretty good chance that he would get an extension um you know i i don't know how this year would have gone if if not for covid it's hard to know what it would have turned out to be but you know now there have been six guys transfer out and um you know they're they're obviously looking for for someone to to come in and you know the most notable thing that's happened was um Jariah horn who had transferred and went to Colorado is now coming back for another year. And that's, you know, pretty unusual. So, uh, you know, they're trying to get things together for next year to see, um, you know, how they can get, uh, back to their winning ways because, you know, it was only, only a year ago when Tulsa want to share the conference title. Um, it's just things kind of dropped off in, in the last really third of the season. And, and, and I would also say fairly too, that, uh, the, 
the the abnormal conditions of the 2020 2021 season really shouldn't count too much against uh, uh, coaches in the, in that particular situation. I feel. Yeah, I think um, it's hard, you know, when you're when you have to make a big decision. Um, it's it's difficult when you know a pandemic year is uh, your most recent memory of the team. You know, I think that that makes it difficult. Um, because you can't just, uh, you know, act like this year didn't happen. Um, but you know, that's why it's really not ideal to get, if you're not sold on someone, um, you know, having it be at this late stage in, in the contract term, you know, that, that makes it difficult. Um, because you see it all the time. Coaches, you know, maybe have an okay year in, in that last year or next to last year. And, and then, you know, the administration is trying to make a decision and, and they really don't know which way to go because there's not enough there, you know, to really help them either way. Um, so, you know, it makes it easier when it's a really bad year or a really good year. If it's not one of those, I think it's really tough. Yeah. Well, besides having the, the, the one challenge of, you know, trying to meet a deadline because you had to leave the arena and go back to Indianapolis, um, did you encounter any other uh, uh, unusual challenges uh, uh, during your stay there? You know, it, it really went as well as I could have expected. Um, you know, it it was a big undertaking for the NCAA um, and for them to be able to pull it off. Uh, I, I just am really impressed with how they were able to do it because, you know, the teams having to stay, you know, in their bubbles and, and the, the media, you know, we had our own, you know, bubbles and uh, all of the logistics involved. I mean, it could have gone really poorly, but I think it went really well. Yeah. And you look at the fact that, you know, uh, they only lost you know one game. In the tournament, yeah. you know, and there there were some fears because you know we saw some of the cancellations in the conference tournaments that kind of were you know making people a little uneasy. To only lose the one game really goes to show you know how remarkable that undertaking is, and if, just to th- think that you know all that you know the coaches and kids and administrators uh, had gone through to, to you know put a college basketball season on. And to bring back the madness, and boy, you know, and, and you can appreciate this in uh, in newspaper terms, but I've I've always said that this year for madness, madness has to be in double the font size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh, so crazy. Just you know, to be able to appreciate it from like close up, and and now you know from home, um, I like having both of those uh, perspectives. Um, but it was so fun to be a part of and, um, you know, especially for it to be that unexpected. Um, I'm still kind of riding high from it. <laughs> that, that is awesome. Well, Kelly Hines of the Tulsa World, thank you so much for being here and uh, sharing your experience with us. No problem. Anytime. And we'll return to close out with a TV theme right after this. No Republicans, no Democrats, no team from Washington, no team with a star on the side of their head. We don't even talk about alpha and beta storms around here. And if you believe all of that, I have a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. Captain and Company in the morning, join me 9 to noon, weekday mornings on OldSchool101.com, because class is always in session around here, virus or no virus. (laughs) 
That, of course, is the iconic theme of The Masters, song titled Augusta, with the warm piano keys. And, okay, some of you can admit it. You either were getting relaxed and ready to doze off, or maybe you (laughs) fast-forwarded through that. (laughs) Beautiful music just to get uh, back to me so I could wake you back up. (laughs) Uh, But uh, it's uh, uh, certainly... A, a a theme that uh, resonates and has been part of the CBS broadcast and also notably in recent years on ESPN for many, many years. And you hear that music and you just know it's the beautiful, flowery, green, patron-filled events. We call the Masters. We'll see what happens. You know, we'll... Bryson DeChambeau muscle his way to a green jacket. But they have one that'll fit him. And Jordan Spieth now, the the hot pick. After coming off a win last week and continuing to get better uh, throughout the 2021 season. Or will it be someone we're not expecting? A tradition, unlike any other. <laughs> it's the Masters. And with that, we are done here. 